Hello, and welcome to episode 16 of The Modern Manager. I'm your host, Mamie Canfor-Stewart. Before we jump into today's interview, just a quick note about the upcoming bonus episodes, which will be a little different from my usual episodes. If you've been listening for a while, you know that I don't often talk about being a parent or my personal life in these episodes, and I intend to keep it that way. But if you're interested in hearing more about how I find commonalities between being a mom and a manager and the lessons that I've learned and applied in each situation, these bonus episodes are for you. So if you see an episode without a number first, that's a bonus episode for parenting your business. And you can choose to listen, which I hope you will, or avoid it if it's not your thing. Okay, so my guest today is Sinead Condon. Sinead is a human systems junkie. She loves people and strives to support the creation of thriving ecosystems where people can live, work, and be their best self. She has spent years working in and developing agile teams, and that is our topic for today. You may have heard the term agile before, but perhaps like me, wasn't totally sure exactly what it means. Well, Sinead explains exactly what an agile team is why it's valuable to build agile practices into your team, how to do so, especially when you're not an engineering or product team, which is often what's associated with the term agile. But agile is valuable for any kind of team, whether you're a finance team, a marketing team, really any kind of team can be more agile. Now here's my interview with Sinead. You're listening to The Modern Manager, a podcast dedicated to helping you be a rock star boss with a thriving team. Whether you're looking to upgrade your meetings, cultivate your team, or grow as a leader, this podcast is for you. Let's get into the show. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sinead. It is really exciting to talk to you. I'm excited to be here. Thank you for inviting me. Well, I want to say that the reason I invited you is because we were having coffee because we were connected through Michael Ball from Instant Agenda. And he and I had a conversation. He said, you have to meet Sinead. She's like so on the same wavelength as you are. And so we got together for coffee. And I feel like everything that you said in that coffee conversation, I was like, like eating it all up. And I'm actually listening to the book Spiral Dynamics on audio because you suggested it. And I'm just totally... Yeah, I'm like so immersed in it. But today we're going to talk about Agile because you were just blowing my mind with Agile talk. So... Mm. I'm excited for this. All right. So why don't you start by giving us a kind of fundamentals of agile? Because this is a concept that I was sort of familiar with because I had a tech company for a while and our team used agile and a lot of tech or software spaces talk about agile, but I'm not sure that most managers or most business people, you know, those of us who are not on the technical side, know what agile really is. And I will include myself in that group that I'm not even sure I still know what agile is. Yep. Yeah. And it's actually one of the most misunderstood, I'm going to throw out methodologies right now, or mindsets or a way to work. Um, There are lots of different camps and some people love it. Some people hate it. And you got some people in between. So let me break it down a little bit. I've been doing agile for, I would say, this is the way I, I, I respond. I've been doing Agile for about 15 years. I've been being Agile for probably about eight, and I'll explain the difference. So typically, when you hear Agile, you'll hear it in the circles of software development. There was a gentleman, there is a gentleman, the founder of Scrum, and he, Jeff Sutherland is his name, along with some of his buddies, came up with a manifesto 
in and around the bracket of what's called Scrum, which is a derivative of what we would call Agile, Agile being the umbrella. And the reason I like to call it a way to work is because it is about showing up as a person in not necessarily your work environment, but thinks about a couple of top priorities or perspectives. One is, and these are questions that we all have to ask ourselves, is the stuff that I'm doing, no matter what it is, uh, what circles I'm in, what environment I'm in, but if the stuff that I'm doing is creating the highest impact or of value, that's a question that's probably top of mind when you're thinking about working in an agile way, right? So this is stuff that I'm doing of value. If it's not a value, then obviously I have a couple of more questions to ask myself. Why isn't it? And what would it look like if it was? The second part of it is, again, this is kind of the mindset part of agile is, is the stuff that I'm doing, if it is of value, should I be doing it better? In other words, this idea of continuous improvement, right? So it's, there, there's an acknowledgement that you're doing work well, but there's also an acknowledgement that we can also keep learning. And again, we prioritize that based on value because there may be 10 things we could be doing, but maybe we may only want to focus on one or two things. Thirdly, am I doing things quickly? That's where the agile part comes in. So if there are blockers in my way that are slowing me down or holding me back, what does that look like? And how can I get more agile, more accelerated, more iterative in the way I think about things, and basically more efficient? And fourthly, who am I evolving in the process? It is agile by, by nature is a collaborative process. And so it's a really case of no person left behind. So if I'm finished doing my highest value thing, can I reach out to those around me to offer my support and assistance to help them be more successful and thrive so that they too can reach the highest value. So let me stop there. But that in essence is really what Agile is. It's a way of working. Again, we think of it more in development terms, but you know, in, in my world and certainly as a transformation strategist, it is there's really something there for everyone. Can you maybe give us an example of how you've seen a non-technical team apply some of these concepts? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I think I'll go back to the prioritization element of it as one of the first examples, because I think all of us can resonate with this idea that, you know, there's never enough resources or, or people. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying people are the resources, but resources to go around, right? So we're all stretched really thinly. We have to be lean in the way we think about things. But often what, time, what, what happens in our environment is, it, it can be quite harsh, right? We're getting a lot of con- um, conflicting priorities from folks. Oftentimes, it's whoever shouts the loudest. And again, we can become order takers, right? And this certainly happens in business where you're working with your stakeholders and you've got maybe three or four stakeholders and all of them have competing priorities. All of them believe their thing is the highest value. And so we're caught between a rock and a hard place. How do you facilitate through that process? And that's, to a large extent, a good example of where Agile comes in. Now, for somebody like me or whomever is in that situation would need to kind of step in or show up consultatively or coach-like to say, you know, how, let's walk through what is the priority, why is the priority? And often a good question to ask is, what is the impact if we don't do something, right? And Mm, we kind of walk through the step, right? And you know what? Oftentimes, 
and this happens to me a lot, I have someone shrug their shoulders and go, well, actually not a lot, right? Because we work in these reactive environments and to some degree, warrant it and other times, maybe not so much. So we have to really take a step back and ask that question. And that to me is a really good example of, you know, prioritization using the Agile mindset. So you started and you mentioned that there's a difference between your 15 years in this work and uh-huh. then the last eight years. Can you go back and explain what you meant by that? I can indeed. So one of the things that we say about uh, Agile or certainly Agile transformation, right? So the, the event of implementing Agile in an organization, and maybe the stats have changed, but certainly over the last number of years, there's been this kind of ongoing thing that. Most companies that would claim to be agile are agile in name only. And when I talk about most companies, we're talking 85 to 90% of companies that try to be agile are only agile in name. So what do I mean by that? So in agile, we've got two ways of working. We have the structure that comes with agile and we have the mindset that works with agile. So that's why we tend to use the narrative of being agile and doing agile. And both are really, really important. And so when you're Oftentimes, when the, and people use the language of implementing Agile or shifting to Agile, which is a profound shift in the way people work, you want to have equal balance. And for companies that are implementing Agile, and, and we may say that, you know, for, for those that are um, Agile, may only be Agile in name because they'll over-rotate neither the doing or the being. In my, when I started with this kind of 15 years of doing Agile, when we're learning Agile first, um, we tend to, to really dig our heels into the process of Agile. We're learning about all of the different, what we call events or ceremonies of Agile. And it can get a little purist where we over-rotate on a lot of these ceremonies and structure. And oftentimes we can forget about the plot. We kind of lose the plot a little bit. And I say that now as an Agile transformation strategist, that you want to find the balance between the process and structure is very important, but also the essence of what Agile is all about, which is bringing people together, being collaborative, thinking about creating value, and doing it in a thriving ecosystem where everybody wins. So my, my initial journey was more on the doing side, and then at some point when you start to see what can happen when you over-rotate on the doing, then you you're more enlightened and, and, and gain a lot of insights from that experience and then realize that it's not just the ceremonies and events, but it has everything to do with people's dynamics. So I'm a process person. It's, I just like love process. And I know that Agile has processes as you were just saying. So maybe you can kind of walk us through what those specific processes or systems or tools that kind of support Agile? Like, what what are those? Yeah, sure. So, now, bearing in mind that Agile, we tend to look at as an umbrella, and there are lots of different types of structures that one can use or methods that one can use under the Agile umbrella. And some of your listeners may have heard there's Trum, which is probably the most popular. There's XP. There's Kanban. And some people use derivatives of all, right? So, you kind of a mishmash of all of those together. So when we talk about the ceremonies and the events, that process part, there are some very specific things that we do in an Agile world. As an example, and I'll go back to, I mentioned Jeff Sutherland, who is one of the the founders, thought leaders in in Trump. 
she crafted this idea of a daily stand-up. And the daily stand-up is where those that are working on a team can come together virtually or, or live in person. And we ask three questions. What did you do today? What are you doing tomorrow? And is there anything that's holding you back? Or some kind of derivative of that. The intent really is not, and this is where the rubber hits the road with this, because oftentimes we'll see comparisons between Agile as a way of working and Waterfall, which is a traditional project management methodology. And so in a daily stand-up as an example, when you're asking those questions, it's not because you're looking for status. It's because you're there in the essence of support and collaboration, where you bring people together for 10 or 15 minutes and no more and say, hey, you're a grown-up. You've committed and all the work. You have deemed what you're doing to be the highest value and the biggest impact. Is there anything that's getting in your way of that? Is there anything that we can help you with to remove the blockers and move you forward? And with the assumption and expectation that that person is all in and committed to the work and that they are authentic in the way they show up and are clear in the way in which they articulate what they're doing, then we expect that if there is a blocker, they'll say it to the group, and then the group can work together and decide what it is needs to happen to remove the blocker. And that, that's a, a perfect example of an agile event or ceremony when it comes to process. Daily stand-up would be a typical example of one. And there are a few, I would say, that there, there are three or four big ones so whether you are kind of only dipping your toe into Agile or you're all in, there are probably three or four that I'd say would be really important. The daily stand-up being one, where you bring folks together for 10 or 15 minutes in support of each other, in service to creating high value, not status meetings. There is the demo of the work, which is, you know, here's what I've been working on, here's what that looks like. And it's not the finished product, but certainly would demonstrate the value that's being created. There's the grooming of the backlog, which is when we all get together and say, hey, here's the stuff we have coming down the pike. Let's have a conversation about what's most important and what we want to work on so we can pull it forward in the backlog. And then what I would consider one of the most important aspects is the retrospective. And the retrospective is and can be done kind of different periods of time. You can do it after one of the iterations. And again, I'm using language that your listeners may not have heard of, so stop me at any time. But if you remember at the beginning, I talked about Agile being all about continuous improvement and learning. The retrospective, which is one of the events that we have in Agile, is one of the most important events. And the reason that it is, is because it is the opportunity for the team to come together. And oftentimes, it can be you know, an invitation also extended to a customer. Uh, you know, we want to have a good relationship with the customer. But in essence, it is the team coming together with the curiosity and the passion for continuous improvement. So we start the retrospective process by acknowledging what we've done, not what we've done well, but what we've done, that we have created value. And we ask the question of ourselves, having acknowledged that we've done well, but what can we do better? What is the continuous improvement opportunity that we have for ourselves that we can work on so that we really hit it out of the park the next time? Now, that is the question we ask ourselves all the time in Agile. It's part of the mindset. It's to say, 
you know, we did a good job, what would it look like if we were to focus on other things that would even make it better? I think that's so great. And in my experience running my own business and with other business side people, the retrospective to us is typically called like an after action review or a postmortem or a plus delta. And they're so critical to do at the end of work. And even if it's not a project, but if it's just ongoing work that you're delivering to take that time to pause and say, what is it that we've done in the past month or in the in this work? And what can we do better? Because we don't often time to reflect. We have so much work to do, right? We just keep going and miss out on the opportunities for learning, continuous improvements. That's right. And one of the things we love about Agile is it's the idea and process of doing things in short cycles. We call them iterations or sprints. Unlike traditional projects, which tend to go for a longer period of time before you're checking in on the value, most of the time in Agile, you'll either typically work in four, two, or even one-week sprints. Now, a sprint is where we commit to small bite-sized pieces of value. We complete those before we get on to the next, what we call, story. So think of it as you're doing a project, you've been assigned certain things on that project, and you have your own backlog or list of things to do. And then you have to decide as the owner of those activities, how you want to move forward and in what sequence. So in Agile, we call those stories and we size them based on their complexity. And so in the Agile world, when you are checking in on a retrospective, you may even do a retro on a particular story if it's important enough to, you know, what's going on, whether there's a dependency there. And possibly the team feels that it didn't go as smoothly as it could have gone. And before you get to the end of, you know, your backlog or whatever iteration you're going through, that you would stop right there and then and say, hey, let's run a retrospective and see what we can do to continuously improve. And I think that's a mindset shift too, which is you don't have to wait for a ceremony. You don't have to wait for the end of the project cycle that any person on the team can say, hey, guys, what could we do to improve this process as we move forward? And the team simply takes some time out to do that. Okay. So I love all these principles around kind of working with short goals. And I mean, that's definitely something that I do in my own work of kind of defining what is it that I want to get done in this week and then what I'm going to do today. So I, I love all these principles. So if I'm a, a manager on a team and we're not a software team and I'm like, okay, I, I get these principles, continuous improvement, kind of staying in alignment, short amount of work, you know, you know, working in sprints, having stand-ups to kind of keep us organized and, and in alignment. What do you think the first step to becoming an agile team should be? I would say it's, there's two things. One is get curious about the work that you're doing. And when I say get curious about the work you're doing, I'm talking about it in terms of the creation of value. So let me give you an example. I was working with a team a couple of months ago, and they had asked me to facilitate an exercise around uh, stakeholder management. And so we were talking about stakeholders, how we define stakeholders, and they were asked by their manager in the room to list all of their stakeholders and the people that they talk to the most 
in terms of their context of the work and getting getting stuff done. And so as the manager was going through the list and each person was now talking about, oh, I talked to this person and that person, and they remember are all deemed as their stakeholders. I asked the question after the exercise was complete, I said, so what did you learn from this exercise? And the first thing, the first insight they all got was, well, it's great that we're all talking to the same people. I feel that there's continuity and cohesion there. And I said, okay, it's great that we all have this amount of stakeholders because that's a great network. I said, okay. But what they didn't ask was whether or not the stakeholder was the most valuable stakeholder for what they were trying to create. In other words, they were mixing the idea of building a relationship with somebody who happened to be in the chain of the network, but not necessarily influential to the decision-making, mm. right? So they saw them as a stakeholder. They actually spent a lot of time. But on the back end, when, you, when I dug a little deeper, they weren't really getting very far in terms of credibility and clout that they needed to have. Which then raises the question, if their stakeholder list is really the right stakeholder list. So two things come out of that. Be curious. And second, curiosity in terms of value. Am I getting the right amount of value from this relationship? And that is a very agile way to look at things. And they haven't looked at it that way in the past. It's so interesting to think about the work of a team and saying, are we getting the right amount of value for the effort we're putting in? Or are we getting the right amount of value out of the relationships that we're holding, whether those be internal relationships or with external customers? I mean, that reframing things, not just as are we being efficient? Are we being productive? Are we moving forward? But it's almost like, is the inputs getting us enough outputs? And that's exactly right. And it works both ways because the question and this curiosity of value is not only in the example that I use, am I getting the right amount of value from that stakeholder? But the flip side of that is, are they getting the right amount of value from me, right? Mm -hmm. Now, if I'm in a room facilitating that conversation with a team, one of the questions that I'm going to ask is, what does value look like? Because value is subjective, right? So, you you know, anytime I'm with a leader, a manager, a team, working on team optimization, one of the first things that's going to come out of my mouth is, what does value look like to you? Because in the example that we just used with a stakeholder, what is a value to a stakeholder may not even be of the same value to me. And so that brings up the whole, obviously, idea of, you know, working agreements and elevating the conversation so that we're talking the same language, but that language means the same thing. So have you ever seen a team or a context in which using an agile method or approach just doesn't work at all? So uh, the way I would answer that is as, as it's, it's not a binary response, so, so give me a minute to, to explain myself. There are a number of things that one can do in an agile environment. Um, the question is, what are you prepared to buy into? Okay. I've had teams, companies, that we want to be agile. I'm like, well, what does agile mean to you? And what of agile is important to you? And they may say, you know what? We want to be agile in the way we collaborate. We want to be agile in the way we make decisions. We want to be agile in the way we prioritize. 
but we don't want to be agile in terms of having a backlog to maybe stand up for everything else. Now, I would never poo-poo that. I'm not, you know, a purist in that sense to say, oh, if you don't have everything there is to have about Scrum or XP or Kanban, you can't be agile, right? So it's really the question of what is it of agile that is compelling to you and are you willing to commit to it? So that's really the most important thing for me is, you know, baby steps, I have no problem with. I think it's really important to have, first of all, the... uh, the wherewithal to say, hey, I want to try this and see if it works. But, you know, you don't have to have the whole hog either, right? And it is different when you're working, let's say, in a, in a developed organization where you're pushing out products and you've got features to put in and you're working with customers on new releases, then you want to be a bit more stringent about it. I would probably have a different conversation to a developed organization and say, you know, there are certain corners you just can't cut. Um, but it's a little bit different if you're working, let's say, with a marketing team or a finance team. I would probably say focus on thinking differently before you start actually doing the event uh, because that's really where it gets critical. And you have, you know, like I said at the beginning, you've got teams that do the process really, really well but don't see their very many results because they haven't kicked into that kind of value creation curiosity thing. And then you've got teams that do the curiosity and the value part really well and have great relationships with their customers, but are slackers when it comes to doing some structure. So it's all about that. So we're coming to the end of the, the time we have together. So I have a couple final questions. Um, first, this is called the modern manager. So I would love to hear about one of the best managers that you ever had, and especially just in general. Could you tell us about one of your, your best managers? I have, and you can't see me, but I have a big smile on my face when you ask me that question. Because it was a very, very long time ago in my starting out in my career. I won't even tell you how long ago it is, but it's uh, post-children and I have teenagers, or pre-children and I have teenagers. So I was working in environments for a large hardware manufacturing company. And I was very young, and the general manager of that company at the time, and I'm happy happy to say his name, Sean Corkery, was the site leader, the European leader for this hardware company. And he was the most, not only was he smart and sharp and focused, laser focused, but he believed his value system was that every person, no matter where they were, or what title they had in the organization, had a perspective and had a right to share it, to offer their opinion. And so oftentimes you would see him walk down the hallway, pull somebody that was on a manufacturing line and bring them into his office with a strategy up on the wall and say, what do you think? Where are their gaps? Where are their holes? And I was blown away by his graciousness, his ability to create a safe, thriving ecosystem for employees who were so motivated to come to work every day. And he was one of the most inspiring people I had ever met. And I remember I had this idea, you know, I I came into work one day, I was super excited with this idea, and I saw him getting into a car on his way to the airport. And I ran outside and I said, and I was way down the totem pole at the time. And I said, Sean, 
I have an idea. And he said, jump in the car, come with me, and the car will bring you back. And for someone at that level to be open and gracious to hear ideas, uh, it had a profound impact on me as a leader and the way in which I aspire to have people treated in the workplace. Oh, that is so beautiful and so wonderful and inspiring to hear. Thank you for sharing that. Last question, where can people find you online, keep up with you on social media, learn more about Agile, whatever information you want to share now, what, where can people find you? Yeah, certainly they can go to my LinkedIn page. Um, I've got a bunch of articles in there. I'm slacking a little bit on my articles, so I, I got to get going on that. But feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I also have a website, SineadCommon.com, so it should be easy, easy to get there. And, uh, or just, yeah, just reach out. I'm happy to, um, this is a really passionate space for me. Uh, love, to, love to chat with folks. And they can just be to, to reach out. Fantastic. We will put those links in the show notes so people can find them easily. Thank you again, Sinead, for sharing all of your experience about Agile and your best manager. This was wonderful to talk with you. Thank you so much. Look forward to talking to you again soon. All righty. So that was fun. Now, as we wrap up, if you haven't yet checked out the Modern Manager Membership Community on Patreon, head on over. For $5 a month, you get access to all the episode guides and special guest offers. There's an additional membership level with other perks, including live Q&A group coaching calls with me, and there's a level even for solo coaching. You can join at patreon.com slash modernmanager. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash modernmanager. You can also sign up for my newsletter at mamieks.com and get all the episodes, blog articles, and free mini guides that I create delivered directly to your inbox so you never miss a thing. Thanks for listening. Until next time. Meetings are one of the most critical components of healthy collaboration, and teams are at the heart of how we work. Meteor helps you use your time in meetings productively, build healthy relationships with your colleagues, and move work forward. To learn how we do it, visit Meteor.com. That's M-E-E-T-E-O-R.com. You've been listening to The Modern Manager. You're already becoming a rock star boss of a thriving team, I can tell. To ensure you never miss an episode, subscribe to the show in your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for listening. Until next time.